Oh, so I finally found out why this podcast exists. <laughs> this one specifically? Well, ours no, or well, a different like, podcast? This pot, like the bright guy and his super friend show. Okay. Because why it exists? The other night I was playing this game. You might have heard of it, Brian. It's called New World. I, I, I was playing with a couple that. people, and I was busy explaining why Code Vein is a strand type game. And during that discussion, I said to Mike, "Well, yeah. I, why would I listen to someone who calls Metroid Dread a Metroidvania?" And you know what this motherfucker does? <laughs> he says, no, I never said that. And then, and then, so I would have left it there. Okay, sure, he doesn't remember. Then he tells me, I am the one who said it. He's trying to gaslight me in front of my friend over playing this game. And I was like, no, no, sir, no, sir. I sent him the episode where we talked about this, <laughs> gave him the timestamp where Mike calls it a Metroidvania, and then I say to him, no, it's a Metroid game. <laughs> Did I get an apology? No. <laughs> we had also talked about this before Jason joined the call for, for New World that night. And during that conversation... He called it a Metroidvania game. Where's your timestamp? I, <laughs> I wasn't recording it, but the point is... Always record, Mike. Always record. That conversation, and I thought that was the conversation you were... Had you said on the podcast you called it a Metroidvania game, I would have said, oh, yeah, probably. See, once again, he's trying to gaslight me into thinking <laughs> something happened earlier in the evening after he's been clearly proven wrong with the timestamp. This kind of behavior listen, that's listen, bringing you, down you the bright guy to super friend brand. Up, you didn't say on the podcast. You didn't say on the. You said you said, and we had and you just did say been it. Talking about it, you said but it. We had just been talking about it, and during that conversation we had that night, I used the words Metroidvania, but never to describe Metroid did. Dread. You didn't know. You did. Once again, I'm being gaslit here. <laughs> It's sad world we live. So in. the only the, the only reason the podcast exists is just to prove Ian's point. No one else's points at all. It doesn't matter. That's why I have all the clip shows clipped. <laughs> we we ended the the conversation, or, or he left rather the call. Jason and I kept playing. <laughs> he probably for just a bit. went to find the episode and was like, "Here it is." <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Less than five minutes later, he had a fucking timestamp <laughs> of where I had called it a Metroidvania. I wasn't going to let There's... someone get away with trying to gaslight me. I had to let everyone know what actually happened. And here, I didn't think Ian remembered like or listens fast. to the podcast episodes after they're out, so I'm very happy to hear that he went out of his way to find this episode. Galaxy brain shit going on. I know exactly what happens <laughs> on every episode. Shit. Over there. Like, I'm really good at finding tie stamps, like, for... What's that thing we do? Rewind theater? <laughs> like I had a list. Really I had to go through. Timestamps for this thing. I can't remember the name of. I don't know the names of the episodes. I know <laughs> where the stuff is in them. I had to go through five episodes and find all the scores because someone said, "Hey, you think we should keep track of this?" <laughs> five episodes into that. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is someone whose law firm focus on, focuses on hunt consent laws, Mike Bradley. I like that one. <laughs> it's been a while since I actually liked an intro. Um, yes, that is absolutely true. 
if you have a problem with having been sexually assaulted in a hut-controlled system, you can contact us, and we will fuck those huts up in court. I'm telling you right now, man. The Galactic Senate won't know what hit them, and they will come down on the huts finally. Can't wait to see your cheap-ass commercial for this law firm. Grab it on Facebook for this episode. We'll get me free. <laughs> Uh, and since we're talking about Star Wars and anime, he's the target audience for this episode, Ian Leidick. What's up, podcast people? It's your boy, Ian Leidick. <laughs> he's not a year, so you, you know stole what? his it's, intro. <laughs> it's Andy's birthday. That is that is a um, tribute. That is not stealing the That's intro. a parody. That's a for his <laughs> it's homage. It's an homage to Andy. Yes. Yeah, birthday shout-outs for Andy from everybody. So if you're listening to this, today, the day we're recording this, it is Andy's birthday today. So leave him a birthday comment or something if you're catching this after the fact. He'll enjoy it. We'll make sure he sees it. Uh, all right. So I think we mentioned it probably on a previous episode one of these times uh, that we were going to try to do an episode for Star Wars Vision. So that time is now. Um, back in December of last year, uh, Disney, during the Disney Investor Day, Lucasfilm announced they were making an original series of animated short films that celebrate the Star Wars galaxy through the lens of the world's best Japanese anime creators which would be called Star Wars Visions. The series finally debuted on Disney Plus on September 22nd. Most of the series that hit Disney Plus, they drop new episodes weekly. This was one of the few that they dropped all nine episodes at once. Um, and I think I went back to the episode where we, where we talked about everything that was announced for the Disney Investor Day. Well, I guess we didn't talk about everything. We talked about stuff we wanted to because there was a lot of shit they talked about. Um, so that was episode 208, actually, if you want to go back and listen. But coincidentally, Andy was the one that was really excited for this series, and he's not here, partially because it's his birthday and partially because he hasn't watched the series yet. Uh, so we're going to have to catch up with him later and see what he thought. Um, and I know, like, de depending on how you feel about Star Wars or if you're if you're a longtime fan and stuff like that, I think you can tell that Star Wars pulls some inspiration from Japanese culture um, and some of their films with a lot of samurai influences to the franchise. And I know uh, Ian took a little bit of time to do some background, so I'm going to throw it to him for more information on Star Wars and Japan. George Lucas has acknowledged that Akira Kurosawa's films have been a big influence on Star Wars, films such as Seven Samurai and The Hidden Fortress. In interviews, Lucas has said he was impacted by how Kurosawa's films thrust Western audiences into the center of an alien world with no background explanation of the world's culture or rules. The plot of Star Wars is the quintessential hero story, which is also a theme of Kurosawa's films. In The Hidden Fortress, two peasants assist a battle-hardened general and a princess in their rebellion. A climactic battle is fought between the general and a former rival. The Jedi Code itself bears a resemblance to the Samurai Code of Bushido. Star Wars and Japan have always had a link. Mark Hamill lived in Kanagawa Prefecture for two years while attending Naosi Kinnick High School at Yakusawa Naval Base. Star Wars not only has always had that link, but it's always been big in Japan. A New Hope had its third highest gross in Japan, behind only the US and the UK. As with most markets, Star Wars has done a lot to cultivate a proactive fan base. From the Sapporo Snow Festival to the, to, to, uh, to the Totori Sand Museum, you will see Star Wars-inspired sculptures throughout the land. Star Wars has even become involved in more traditional Japanese areas. Maid dolls, or Gogatsu Ningyu, 
are miniature suits of samurai armor set up in Japanese homes in spring and autumn to encourage boys to grow up into strong, healthy young men. There are now Star Wars-themed May dolls which feature Darth Vader, Stormtroopers, and the Crest of the Empire instead of a traditional coat of arms. Like America, Star Wars has penetrated Japan and given inspiration to a generation of sci-fi enjoyers. How does anybody? I, I should have looked it up, but I don't know how well do the movies perform in Japan. I didn't think they made a lot of money there, but I might be wrong. I mean, New Hope. I it's the only one I looked up, but it did fifteen million, which is like I said, the third highest of any market. Okay. Obviously, not as good as the U.S., but like with you know, it's still the U.K. still did better, but that that's you know, it did a lot. That was I think by like five million better than the fourth place market. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you got to consider that Japan is not China. It's mm -hmm. not Russia. It's not, yeah, I mean, it, their total population is so heavily based in Tokyo. And what is the total population of Japan? 100 million people? Something like that? Like, it's, because I know Tokyo is around 40. Okay. And all of Japan is probably less than 100. Yeah. So you're talking about a significantly smaller population that for Star Wars was showing out pretty damn well in terms of the world population. Yeah, because I know we've talked about, like, box office gross for, especially, like, the sequel trilogy and stuff that came out, that it did gangbusters in, like, domestically, but never, like, you know, made a fraction of what other movies make overseas. And I didn't know where Japan sort of fits into that total. It's probably something Box Office Mojo has. Somewhere. Yeah, I was trying to scroll through real quickly. Just I just picked Force Awakens. It looks like it made ninety eight million in Japan. Which how's that compare? Pretty good. I mean, that sounds good. Like, like for Japan. Yeah. Let me try to just pick a couple others. See what Rise of Skywalker did. I mean, that's that's what that's that's more than Ghost in the Shell made. <laughs> uh, Rise of Skywalker <laughs> did like sixty six million. Time. So maybe they, of course, I think the sequel trilogy went kind of downhill as far as box office gross with each one. I, I, I feel like the first two were kind of steady, and then Rise of Skywalker was significantly lower. Uh, 67 so like... for Last Jedi. So 98 Force Awakens, 98 million Force Awakens, 67 for Last Jedi, 66 for Rise of Skywalker. Oh, wow. So it was really U.S. driven for Last Jedi then, because Last Jedi was not far total. Box I think office. Last Jedi made over a billion dollars, right? That's what, yeah, I worldwide it, like it made. Yeah, worldwide it made uh, just over a billion. One point one. Okay. But apparently, split right down the middle: domestic five hundred fifteen, international five sixty three. Yeah, and what uh, Force Awakens was a billion domestic, right? Like it was close. Almost... Uh, Nine sixty or nine thirty seven, nine hundred thirty seven million domestic. They, so they had a smaller that, drop that, off. Yeah, percentage wise. Yes. Yeah, although Force Awakens made over two billion worldwide, so that made a shit. That Force Awakens made a shit ton of money. Yeah. So it happens. Well, I think. Yeah. I mean. It. Yeah. It was still the revival of Star Wars. Like, it's still that thing that where, like, Star Wars came back with a new feature film after right. however many years that was. Try to, Lots of years. I'm just going to real quickly so. look at episode three, because now I'm kind of curious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's... 
what episode three does, it to me will be very telling in Japan because episode three was kind of the penultimate or the, the ultimate of the prequel trilogy. Yes, it was the third one. So I'm not immediately seen. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, like it was, it was like the best of the three. Oh, there's Japan. Far. Okay, like uh, eighty-three million in Japan. So okay. less than Force Awakens, but still pretty high. Mm-hmm. But not that much less. No. Yeah. With... And it, like, if you look at real dollars, it's probably roughly the same. And then domestically, yeah, like... Episode Three only made three hundred and eighty million, which is I yeah. feel like low to me, but I don't know. Again, you got to talk real dollars though, because it's a there's a big time gap there. In a lot oh of yeah, inflation. like inflation and stuff. Yeah, yeah, true. Okay, before I get caught up just scrolling through every movie on Box Office Mojo. Um, all right, so our plan for, for Star Wars Visions is we're just going to kind of go through episode by episode of the series. Um, the There's only nine episodes. They were all pretty short. Uh, so we're going to just kind of hit them one by one, sort of give our thoughts. Uh, Ian's going to give us a little bit of background on each one, and then we'll talk about what we thought and just kind of uh, rinse and repeat for the next one. And then we'll give overall thoughts at the end. Uh, but since we will be talking about the series in its entirety, I'm going to throw out the spoiler warning now. So if you have not watched all of Star Wars Visions and do not want spoiled, pause us now. Uh, come back to us after watching the series. It's Again, they're, most of them are 15 minutes, a couple of them 25. So you can get through nine episodes pretty quick. Uh, so we'll just be here waiting for you whenever you're done. Uh, spoilers to follow. When you put this in, can you also like overlay like happy birthday or something? <laughs> Some sort of weird happy birthday song. We could record ourselves happy singing birthday. happy birthday. Spoiler. <laughs> happy birthday. Spoiler. <laughs> happy birthday. Mix it with the spoiler alert. Yeah. Happy birthday. Spoiler. Happy birthday. You know, something like that. <laughs> I'm going to leave all of this in. <laughs> this is the spoiler alert. Uh, all right. So we're good to go for our discussion. Um, I guess real quick, just for for like a baseline, uh, which version did you guys watch? I watched I, I, just when you start them; it's the English version, so that's kind of what I end up watching. Did you guys watch the English or I Japanese? Did not know there was options, so I did not actually see an option. I feel so like I you just probably watched the English. Version. Must have had to go out of your way to probably select like the Japanese ver like subtitle. I don't know if it just goes subtitles and then the Japanese voice cast goes or. Uh, yeah, I don't know, because they, they were promoting it both ways. Like, there was a Japanese trailer, there was an English trailer. So I assumed you could watch it either way. But the ones that I queued up and just started watching through Disney+, Plus, and maybe just based on region, maybe it just grabs your region and says, okay, you're English, you're going to watch the English version. I mean, like, I probably still would have watched English because I heard some of the voice cast that was going to be in the shows ahead of time. Yeah. Like, the whole, like, Alison Brie and Neil Patrick Harris thing that we'll get to. Which, yeah, I didn't know they um, were in there, and it was surprising to me looking at the voice cast at the end of the each episode. So we'll, we'll hit on each of those when we get to the episodes, but... Right, but, it, but, but like, I having known... I didn't know at the time which episode they were going to be in. Yeah. But it's like I had heard, like, oh, these people are going to be voices in the episodes. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just... Okay. Not worry about changing then, because obviously if you cast people like that, you're intending it. To be in English, right. just as much as you would in Japanese. All right, so you and I watched English. Ian, did you watch English or Japanese? I watched in English because I figured everyone else would. Okay, fair enough. All right, so at least we all have the same baseline, so that's good. Uh, all right, so kicking off with episode one, The Duel. 
Uh, Ian, what do you got for us for that one? Kamikaze Doga produced the duel. They have produced anime such as Ninja Batman and assisted in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Parts 1 and 3, and as well, the Bizarre Pop Team Epic. This episode was directed by Takanuba Mizoni, Mizuno, Mizuno, <laughs> who was also the director for the 2008 Tokyo Olympics. He was also the animation director for several video games, including Mega Man X8. Nice. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you know, just talking about the voice cast, I'll probably just open each episode with the, the notable names that I saw. The only one that listed that jumped out to me for this one was Lucy Liu as the bandit leader. I didn't recognize any of the other okay. names from the English cast for this one, but... Um, but so in this episode, who was the bandit leader? I think that was like was the, the, the... That was the Sith. Yeah, the enemy, enemy Sith. The Sith, yeah. okay. Yeah, like, it, it's what I thought, but because it is kind of a confusing name, I wasn't 100%. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, I guess, Mike, we'll just start with you. What did you think of the episode? Um. I know we had talked previously about, like, the ones we really liked and didn't. This is one of those three for me that was right at the top of the others. Okay. Separated itself. It's unique art style. It's a so very <sighs> Kurosawa in how it feels. Like the, the whole presentation, everything about it was amazing. The umbrella lightsaber thing. I, that was fucking awesome. That was cool as shit. Like I, it, it's not something you would ever expect to see in Star Wars. Yeah. But you would 100% expect to see in, like, anime or in a anything Japanese-themed. You would expect to see that umbrella weapon. And they turned it into a lightsaber, and I fucking love that. That was awesome. Um, And it was... It, it's, again, it, it... It hits on what I feel like were a lot of the problems of the way they presented visions. Though, it, it, to say a negative, is that... A lot of this felt too short leaving you wanting more when it was good and it felt like these one shots were very similar in theme in a lot of the episodes yeah and they presented the theme differently but it, it was really well presented i liked the art i loved the like the pure drawn style i guess and then just inserting the color of the lightsabers as they went that was really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, all around, this is, I think, one of the three of the nine episodes that separated itself from the pack. Yeah. In, in being better than the rest, in my opinion. But I'll pass it along. Uh, Ian, what do you think? So I thought it was a bold choice to have this as, like, the first episode you get when you watch this just because of the lack of color. And... Animation-wise, it's probably stylistically one of the most distinct out of all of them, I would say. Yeah. And it's probably the one that also that maybe shows the most influence of, like, a Kurosawa film in general being in there. So it was very Japanese Star Wars right at the top. <laughs> it looked amazing, yeah. though. I like, you know, the story is the story. The story is very simple, but it's told well enough. Like, you get all the points. You know, Bandit Village shows up, this guy decides to get involved because he has to, but, you know, he's um not actually a good guy, maybe. Maybe he's a bad guy, and it just it really set a nice opening tone of, like, this is going to be... It really, to me, was like, okay, these are all going to be pretty fucking cool. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, I agree a lot with what you guys are saying. I think the the art style was cool. The black and white with the, I think red was the only color, right? That was just the lightsabers. Mm-hmm. That was it. So well, didn't they color his lightsaber blue at one point? I think they were both red, weren't they? Yeah, they were both red. Oh, they were both red. Okay, it's been a while for me. I watched these like the day they released. Okay. So you have to, except for the last two, I watched those yesterday. But the first seven I watched like day one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the the black and white with the red lightsabers just make, you know, makes the color of the lightsabers mm-hmm. pop more, which is cool. Um, yeah, it's like Sin City with the blood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like Ian said, I think the, the story was simple. You just get on, get out. It was, it was easy enough to follow, which some of these other ones, I feel like I got lost in what the hell they were trying to do. So this was nice and simple and I was into it. That was cool. Um, and just like, you know, any, not that I've seen a lot of anime, but anime that I have seen, it always feels like they do fight scenes very well, and I really like the the duel, like the actual duel, the fight that they do in this episode. I mm-hmm. thought that was really really well animated and, and cool. Because I think, like Mike said, like the umbrella weapon, it was just like, they were like, okay, they're gonna go outside the box on here. They're gonna do yes. what they had the freedom, surprisingly, from Disney to kind of do what they wanted. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with, like, we don't have these anime shorts that we're seeing here having an actual influence on the canon. Mm -hmm. This is one-shot, one-off type of stuff, and I like that part of it as much as I don't like it. And I'll get into why I don't like it later, because Mm -hmm. there's one we're going to talk about that needs its own fucking series that could span several seasons that I would watch all of them. It's it's something I think but, we can we can dig into maybe when we co- after we cover all of them. But a lot of the these episodes like sort of feeling like the one off stuff, and be, maybe just because they were released around the same time. But to me, they feel even like Lucasfilm's versions or Star Wars versions of like the Marvel what ifs, like just offshoot type of things that have no bearing on what else is going on as far as the larger like MCU so, or Star Wars canon. They're just letting them like, tell a story. I think it depends. Getting... Sorry, Mike, but I was just wanted to say. But I feel like for this one, it's like the story for this one the most is just kind of like you could get from a lot of samurai movies. Invading bandits come up, rogue samurai that maybe was disgraced before shows up, saves the day, and leaves. Yeah, right. you know, like some of the other ones for sure. I agree with that, but like this one, I think was just very trying to hit that mark. You right, know, right. Like those old samurai films. Well, anything else to do for? Um... Episode, the first episode. Anything else to add? Or we'll go on to the second one. Okay. Uh, episode two was the Tattooing Rhapsody one. Um, I'll I'll hit the voice cast while we're here. The The few notable ones that I saw, uh, JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, was Jay. Uh, Bobby Moynihan as Geezer, the, the hut band leader. Um, and it, he's hard to miss, but... Tuamway Morris, I can't never say his name. Tamari, Tamara Morrison, the guy that plays Boba Fett was Boba Fett <laughs> in this series. Tamira, you had it. Okay, right. yeah, his voice. As soon as you see Boba Fett and that voice comes out, you're like, oh shit, they actually got the guy. That's pretty cool. I wasn't expecting that. No, either. I was not. Like when it was Boba Fett, it was like, oh shit, they actually put right. it in. That's cool. Um, so yeah, he's definitely getting some work with with Book of Boba Fett and this coming out. So this is kind of cool. Um. <laughs> Ian, what kind of background do you got for us for this one? Tatooine Rhapsody was produced by Studio Colorido, who also worked on Batman Ninja <laughs> and the film A Whisker Away. The episode was directed by Taku Kimura in his directorial debut. 
Kimura was previously a voice actor in projects like Naruto, Naruto Shippuden, the movie. He recently transitioned into more of a production role over the last eight years. But like I said, this is his first actual directing job. Oh, okay. Okay. He did, he did pretty Which good. Which surprised me. Yeah. Um, Ian, what did you think of this one? I was confused at first because I I I didn't know what was going to happen and then like the band thing happened and then I was like holy shit this is just going to be like Daft Punk's Interstellar 5555. <laughs> and I was like that'd be cool as shit. I this one was like okay so we went from the duel which had that distinct art style to this one which was more regular maybe anime. Yeah. You know, there's colors, the characters are just more the thicker lines and stuff. And I thought it looked really cool still. I, this once again, like the only real issue I have with this episode is the same issue I have with the New Hope remasters is that Jabba gets disrespected and takes it. <laughs> and I just don't think that's what kind of character Jabba the Hutt is. No, yeah, I, I can agree with that. <laughs> but other than that, I, I thought it was fun. The music was surprisingly catchy. You know, it wasn't like the greatest thing. I'm not going to go download this to find out if I can. Like, it worked, you know, and it was just, like, a fun get-the-band-together-you-know kind of thing. The music in this is better than the Jedi Rocks portion of Return of the Jedi that is in there now. (laughs) Like, the the added concert that's in Jabba's Palace. This is so much better than that. I can't think of a music that's worse than (laughs) (laughs) the added music. The original music from Jabba's Palace is pretty good, but the added music... Like, the only thing that, that would have made maybe this episode better is if they somehow snack, snuck in Max Rebo. <laughs> and presenting he might Max have been Rebo in there. on piano. There was a lot of crap. <laughs> well, he should have been in the band. <laughs> oh, he should have been in the band. Okay. Yeah, that would have been cool. Max Rebo origin story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Mike, what do you think? Um, I got a very Scott Pilgrim feel from it. Mm-hmm. Oh, know, yeah. Like that's a Scott a good Pilgrim idea. the yeah, game yeah. kind of thing. Like, comic game like i i loved it I, I don't think it is something where it was like oh man i need to see more of that group or anything mm-hmm. like that but it was as a one-off it was fun i mean i assume they all died by a, the end of this so it's, it's probably fine <laughs> well yeah but i'm saying like it was still just like as a one-off episode though you know what i mean it's something where like i had fun with it it was a good time and it's like all right that's cool i could watch that again someday but I don't need to see more of their story. I got it all in that one shot. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'd also point out I really enjoyed the art that they did around like the end. Where they, it, it looks almost like they're at the pod racing stadium. Yeah. But they're having a concert there. Yeah. And the, like the art scheme that they brought into that like the entrance to it where they kind of give you that 3d art almost like entrance mm-hmm. around really fucking cool um i thought they did a great job with that and the general art scheme of it was good um like i said very scott pilgrimy to me but yeah it, i mean it was very cool and seeing jgl in there and bobby moynihan like i actually like called him out while i was watching it i was like oh that's moynihan i didn't recognize joseph gordon levitt yeah, I didn't, I didn't recognize, recognize either until I saw the credits. I didn't. I didn't recognize either of those. I think. I think. I recognize Moynihan. I was talking. I think I was talking to Ian about him. the voice cast at one point, and he goes, "Oh yeah, JGL was in one of those episodes." And I was like, "What? Where?" And then I had to go back and look, and I was like, "Holy shit!" He pulls off young kid very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why he was Robin. 
right? And we never actually got to fully fucking realize that, unfortunately. Yeah. But, but it, yeah. yeah, I mean, this was a. I think that obviously the first episode there wasn't a lot of dialogue, but with the second episode, I I had made the note that like the voice cast does very well in this episode. It was the first one, and I was yeah. like, oh yeah, okay, everybody fits, everything, everybody sounds cool. Um. It it was a fun story for me. Like I like the idea of like the Jedi Padawan that escapes Order sixty six and goes on the run and then just ends up in a traveling band. Like that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I was still and waiting, then... I think, for the story to to bookend it somewhere where like they're at the concert and then suddenly like the microphone lights up as a saber and he just starts slashing his way out of there and trying to save people. But no, they just straight up was like, okay, this is our last concert. We're gonna die after this, but let's put on a hell of a show. Like, it's just rock hard enough yeah, to live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We rock so fucking hard they let us live, bro. Like that I mean, that's fits, literally just the pick a destiny plot. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which is part of I part of the reason I think I really like this is because it's very this very much that. Yeah, I don't know. Like it wasn't one of my favorites, but it's definitely in like the top half of the episodes that I liked. Like it was just fun. Agreed. It was just a fun episode. And it was nice that they took some background from us and were finally arresting someone for violating hut consent law. <laughs> right? Like, check your answering you machine. You might have some messages shit. about that. You have to go really far to violate hut consent laws. <laughs> it, like, really far. That's what kind of far you go in a band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, anything else for second episode? We'll go to the third one. Nope. All right. Let's do it. Uh, episode three was titled The Twins. Uh, this was the one that uh, Mike mentioned has NPH, Neil Patrick Harris as Carrie and Allison Brie as Am, the two twins. Um, Ian, what kind of background you got for this one? Ooh, the twins was produced by Studio Trigger, who have produced some of my favorite animes, including Kill a Kill, Space Patrol Lulico, and of course, Inferno Cop. <laughs> They're also working on an upcoming upcoming anime called Cyberpunk Edge Runners, set in the world of Cyberpunk 2077, to be shown on Netflix. The episode was directed by Hiroyuki Imashi, who has been a director on Gurren Logan and the aforementioned Kill a Kill. He was also a key animator on Neon Genesis Evangelion and an animation director for Fooly Cooly. Okay. Uh, Mike, what did you think of this one? I really enjoyed this. Again, I feel like this falls into that category you just mentioned of the top half for sure. Mm. It's not in my top three. Um, I, I feel like it's one that had we had more time with the characters, this, you know, ultimate battle that they reach at the end would have been so much more impactful. Yeah, because there's had no we build had, up. Say a whole season to what was going yeah. on. You know, like, this whole conflict between them, it's like, okay, it's there, and they present it, and then it, because it's one episode, and it's a short thing, it's so rushed, it's like, damn. I feel like had we built built to that, it would have been much, much better. But again, working within the confines that they were working within, I think they did an amazing job. Because I still wanted to see what they were going to do, and they created, and this is something where... For me, when we're talking Star Wars mixed with anime, I want to see. Like, we saw with the umbrella in episode one. We see with this whatever the fuck it is she wears that creates the spider-like effect, I guess, on her. I I don't know what else to call it other than a spider-like effect. Do you guys have a better descriptor for me? No. You just mean, like, her building her Kai, her energy power? 
Like from the dark yeah, like armor? The, the multiple lightsaber thing. Like the lightsaber has, tentacles like, oh, or whatever the hell she uses. Well, that's yeah, what like it the is, things right? that pop off of her armor. Like oh, I don't know what. No, that's just the Doc Ock, but lightsabers. Yeah. Okay, Doc Ock, <laughs> but lightsabers. Yeah, like it's like General Grievous, but double. Yeah. Like it's like Doc Ock. <laughs> yeah, Doc Ock. <laughs> right, but it's it, it's Star Wars, so it's not Doc Ock. It's it's still it's cool as shit. Yeah. No, it was very and, fun, and and that's the type of anime shit I want to see them do with Star Wars. It's like they're like you did four lightsabers with General Grievous. We're gonna do fucking eight. Let's see, like, okay, that's, you have my attention, because it's going to be cool in an anime sense. And where live action, it would look ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But in an anime, it's like, I'm I'm drawn into it. Kind of reminds me of, like, the, the gif that was going around when uh, the trailer for Rise of Skywalker came out with, like, Dark Ray, And then there was the gif of, like, the Swiss Army knife saber that she would just flip open. The butterfly knife. What, well, the it, saber like, did like that. Yeah, it, it like did it was... that. But, like, there was a gif of, like, when she flips it open, it's like a Swiss Army knife. So you get, like, the bottle opener oh, lightsaber and, like, the corkscrew <laughs> lightsaber and, like, all this other shit that just comes out. Yeah, and, and, and like, I want to see that kind of shit done with anime. Like, when we're... If you're going to go ridiculous the way anime does, do it. And th- th- that was something that did it right. And, again... Um, I feel like the voice acting from, you know, Patrick Harris and Alison Brie was right on point. Um, probably better from Neil Patrick Harris because I feel like he's just a more established and better voice actor than she is. Just over time, like the guy has so much more experience. He he fucking nailed it, and she did really good. Um, but I would have preferred it go the other way in terms of light versus dark side. I'd like to hear Neil Patrick Harris pull off a dark side character. I feel like that would be fun. Yeah. But nonetheless, I feel like this was, again, another top half episode that it did a lot of things that were really fucking cool. It just needed more time. Uh, Ian, what do you think? So I didn't look it up beforehand, like, you know, who was all being involved in production and stuff. But as soon as I saw the name Studio Trigger at the end, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They have a, I think, a pretty distinct style. But I still, if you don't know it's them, it's not, you know, you don't know. I thought this was really, like, the colors popped. Like, the animation was so fluid. Stuff they're known for. It was just, like, a really pretty episode. Like, it was very well done. Like Mike mentioned, the fight. The payoff isn't as great because the build-up isn't there. Because they just don't have the time for it. You don't have the time to build it up and then give us, like, a really cool fight. But like Mike said, though, we still got a wicked cool anime fight that you're only going to get in this medium for Star Wars. Which is just nice to see, like we've been mentioning, I think, with a lot of these. Them exploring the bounds of this style in the Star Wars universe that just give us something new. And it was really well done here, I think. This was one of, like, the better episodes for me from, like, a purely technical standpoint of, like, just all of the animation and I think the general concept of what I think Vision should be just all coming together to make some really cool art. Okay. Uh, This was another one where I definitely made the note that I liked the voice acting in this one. And this was this was one where I was, like, about halfway through and started thought I heard tinges of NPH and I was like, no, that, that can't be him. And then you look at the credits and oh shit, it was him. So that was the one name that I think I picked out of, out of all the voice casts that I've heard in every episode. That was the one. I was a little sad. I missed Alison Brie. I feel like 
once I knew it was her, I could hear like the the unicorn character that she plays from Lego movie in there. Yeah. Like that's the voice yeah. that I started I, to hear. I feel like she's not as distinctive. Yeah. As he is. Well, it's, it's not like something about like when she starts yelling and, and leans into that growl in her voice. Like that's what Unikitty yeah. does in Lego movie and stuff. Um, it's that we've heard so much more of him voice acting. Yeah. What I mean, like, yeah, like with Spider-Man and, and all And that's, that. I think, what I heard like, is I heard get... tinges of the Spider-Man voice that he does. And I was like, that is it, is it NPH? Yeah. Yeah. It, and not to mention, like, all the voiceover we have with Doogie Howser. Yeah, yeah. It's, if you remember that from being a kid, which... Was that the 70s? When was this? <laughs> I was going to say, Ian looks like he's confused as to what Doogie Howser I, is. I know but... he was in that, but I've never seen it. I wonder I if feel he was like even someone... born when that movie or his TV show came out. Probably not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I wasn't. Because um, that would have been when he was a kid. Yeah, like... correct. Oh, yeah, he was a kid. He was absolutely a kid. Uh, I think, like like Ian was saying, I thought the color palette was cool. Like, the final shot of, like, the crashed X-Wing in the sand with, like, the... the uh, pastel looking colors like i like that shot a lot um i got a chuckle out of the i'm gonna take something i'm gonna you know like leave for the galaxy far far away line somewhere in there i mm -hmm. thought that was a fun little nod um but i think overall out of all the other episodes this was not one of my favorites and i don't know if it was just like the story seemed too rushed like you guys were saying and i know like a lot of what i think you guys liked like the real over the topness is where it lost me like, the stuff where just went way overboard, and I was just kind of like, I don't know if I can follow this or care right now. But maybe if I was more invested in the story, if they had set that up more, it might have pulled me in. But I just never connected with this one as much as I wanted to. So Well, I feel like th th that's kind of where the anime part draws in. It's like you're going to have that over-the-top battle part to it. Right. But like you said, you need that weight that a whole season of watching this tension between them build might produce yeah. as opposed to the 15 minutes or however long this episode was. Yeah. Cause I think it's one of the 15, you give ones. it two, three hours yeah. and all of a sudden you have a much better build up and attachment to one of the characters that you feel for more than the other. Right. Whereas this, you were just watching a cool anime battle. Like, fuck yeah. Star Wars anime. Yeah. You know, it, I didn't really care who won, I guess. Right, yeah. And that was, it's like, you know you're supposed to root for the light side, but it's also like, I don't know why, because there's just not a whole lot here. So. Uh, anything else for episode three? Nothing? No. All right. Uh, we'll move on to episode four. Episode four was The Village Bride. Um, looking at the English voice cast for this, I didn't recognize any of the names aside from Matthew Wood, who has voiced other Star Wars characters. He's done Battle Droids, he's done General Grievous, so he is a Star Wars staple voice actor. Um, who did he voice in this? The Battle Droids. I didn't recognize it. Yeah. Oh, just about, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Ian, what kind of background you got for this one? The Village Ride was produced by... This is tough. It's cinema with a K, so I'm going to say cinema citrus. <laughs> <laughs> Who have produced recent anime hits like Made in Abyss and Rising of the Shield Hero. The episode was directed by Hitoshi Haga, who has previously who had directed several episodes of the previously mentioned anime and was also a key animator for Pokemon and Avengers Confidential. Oh, I could definitely see Pokemon now that you said. <clears throat> yeah, that, that I was thinking about that. I'm like, wow, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like during this whole episode, I was waiting to see, like, 
a rock turn into a living thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it was just like there, like, hmm, why am I thinking that? Uh, Ian, what'd you think of this one? So this one, like Mike said, this one had more of that, I don't know how to describe that animation style, but like it was reminiscent of some of their other works, specifically Made in Abyss, where the world feels alive. You know, it feels like everything's special and magical. Um, I, I like the fact of like, we're going back all the way to the prequel movies, though, for, like, plot points, like, with the battle droids, like, incorporating that. Yeah. And being like, what does happen when the Separatists just lose and Palpatine doesn't give a shit about those robots that are <laughs> somewhere, you know? Like, why would he give a shit? So, yeah, so some guys, we don't even know if they were raiders originally. It's like, wait, if we control these robots, we control the world. <laughs> and then just going around mugging villages, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. And then, you know classic like oh the daughter goes away for the village chief and someone's got to rescue them and you get the little rebels that suck at their job because you know they're little kids trying to fight a real fight and only to get saved by the most excellent f <laughs> uh mike what'd you think I, you know i i think ian stated pretty well what's going on with this episode in general for me this was the first time that i was board <laughs> um it, it didn't strike any chord with the time that it had again i i feel like this is another issue of where it could have been better with more time to build what it was working with but in the time that it had i feel like the content was not gonna draw me in in that time period so maybe you know, like, to offer, like, a criticism, it's like, if you're gonna have this much time to create something, you gotta put more kick in. You gotta have something that is more enticing. Yeah. Um, Because, like I said, it, it legitimately left me bored a little bit. I mean, I where... like the, the playback with, like, F and Valco and, like, her, like, reluctance to want to get involved and him kind of playing, like, that Han-ish role. Of like the yeah. cocky kind of gunslinger thing, I'd like like their back and forth. You know, it's definitely a slow burn of a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I feel like if you had say six episodes, and this was an episode four of those six, I feel like it's a good slot in there. You know, what I mean, like if it, it like most of the bulk of it, where I don't know, it just didn't it didn't pull me in. Yeah, I don't know where the where the focus of that story is meant to lie like i i was following um what what's her name f is the main like jedi character mm -hmm. right like yeah i feel like they keep alluding to her sort of backstory and that's where i sort of wanted the story to go was to know where she came from what's going on with her you know how she got there why she's reluctant to do anything about anything and and so the slow burn of the story to the third act i thought the third act was good i like that part like the the, the showdown with the the bandits or whatever i thought was really cool um the design of her lightsaber i really fucking like that a lot like when she mm -hmm. finally fires that thing up for the first time i thought that was a really cool shot and i like the way that turned on and, and did what it was supposed to so that was cool um but yeah i mean it wasn't i don't know this was probably like middle of the road for me it wasn't my favorite but i don't think it was terrible compared to i think there was other ones that i i didn't enjoy as much um but i think you know like like Mike said, I think more time with the story to flesh some stuff out, I think would definitely would have helped it. But I mean, either way, like this is one of those stories. And I guess a lot of them do this where they sort of end open-ended, 
where you like if they want to tell more they could like I'd like to see more with with F as a character going forward and see what happens to her and what they do and if they go back into her backstory some more like that's stuff I would care to see I, I I'm curious about that yeah I, I agree I think there's a lot of these episodes that deserve more attention yeah there's a couple of them that deserve none <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're right about to get to one of those oh you think um, the next one I, I'm not sure on the numbers <laughs> in my own brain, but I'll know as soon as Brian tells me which one is the next Yeah, one. I think this is the one we're I, all anxious to talk about, so we'll get to this one. This is episode five, the ninth yeah. Jedi. Uh, oh, no, no, not that. Like, yeah, I'm at, like this is a positive. Yes. This is the negative one, I was thinking. Um, so, notable voice cast that I caught, uh, Simu Lu, Shang-Chi, is La Zima, the sabersmith, the guy that gets captured in there. Um, and Masi Oka as Ethan, who Masi played Hiro Nakamura on Heroes. So if you've watched Heroes, that's that's where I know him from. Um, Ian, what kind of... I, I know his name and face, but I don't... Yeah, I, I'm, I, didn't watch I know Heroes, he's been in some other stuff, so. but I remember him specifically from Heroes. The show that had so much potential and then just fell to shit. <laughs> um, Ian, what kind of background do you got for this one? This one was tough because I was like, I'm searching through this list of this and I'm like, these guys won't have any idea who this studio is. This was a <laughs> tough one. Uh, the Ninth Jedi was produced by a small studio known as Production IG, also known as Studio IG. They've produced films such as Ghost in the Shell, <laughs> Neon Genesis, and Vangelion, the end of Evangelion. <laughs> the recent works include Fena, Pirate Princess, produced in association with Adult Swim. The episode was written and directed by Kenji Kamiyama, who previously did background work on the show DuckTales. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. He was also director and chief writer for Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. He's also directing the upcoming anime, The Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohim. Oh, nice. I'm assuming that's on Amazon. The Rohirrim? Sure. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. I just went I, with I it. don't know if you're a Lord of the Rings guy or not. Not right? enough I mean, to know how Rohim, to pronounce that. <laughs> is the Rohim a thing? Am I just not? Or is it just the Rohirrim and he's not saying it right? I'm not saying it right. I, I acknowledge that. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I, so, yeah, I don't I'm know if you guys... Have, I haven't heard of this before. That's all. Yeah. So, I, like I said, I don't know if you guys have heard of this small studio that's never done anything you've watched <laughs> that made Ghost in the Shell, but they're the ones responsible for this episode. Yeah, funnily enough, I have heard of Ghost in the Shell, and I couldn't tell you how or why or where, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely confused about... What is Ghost in the Shell? <laughs> so, think of it like it's this episode, but, like, way longer. <laughs> Oh, okay. Didn't I just give that like a nine or something? I don't have the scores up. <laughs> you should have kept them up. You should have kept them up. I figured I'd quiz you on that, but okay. Uh, Mike, I think it's your turn. What did you think of this episode? You know, I didn't know what Ian had just brought up. I didn't look up any of that stuff about the studios or whatnot, but it makes 100% sense that this was made by the people that made Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. If there's one episode of everything they did that i need seasons not a season i need i need a whole show that lasts several seasons based on this single episode i want to see more of this this was amazing so i think it was i think it was yesterday i caught an article on star wars newsnet that uh they had it was from some some interview with the director somewhere that was then translated to english but the gist of it is he saw this episode as a pilot 
and that he's got I a story so. mapped out for where he would what he would make into a movie. So if they let him do it, he's ready to go. If there's one episode that they need to do that with, that's what they need to do. And it's part of what I wanted out of this Visions more than anything else is something like this to turn into a whole show. Because I guess one of my biggest disappointments with all of this is, is there's several of these that I feel like, man, if there was more to it, I'd really be into that. Which, as individual episodes, I like a lot of these. And as a series, I think it's shit because we only get one episode of so many of these. Well, the other thing I think this episode then spe- specifically has going for it is it's one of the longer ones. It's like 23, mm-hmm. 25 minutes compared to the 15 that the other ones are. It, it, so you definitely get more time to flesh stuff out and set your world and build your, you know, what's going on, which is de- definitely yeah, helps it, this episode. It gets that full sitcom length. Yeah. It gets that full one sitcom length. But... What they did with that time, I mean, setting up, like, there's just so much to unravel with this single episode that where I'm I'm just like, damn, I want to see everything that happened before and everything that comes after this. I think something else I caught from that interview, too, is it it's it's they they basically I think uh, the I can't remember the guy's name, but the the writer director, Ian, help me out. Yeah, he, uh, in part of that interview, he had talked about, I guess, the setting of this technically takes place in canon, just that, like, years, years after episode nine. So this is supposed to be well after episode nine. This is way in the future, yeah. Hundreds of years, right. And this is an area I want to explore. Where does the world go after that? For one, that's awesome, because it sets up a potential future for the series. Two, you're talking about God, like, the betrayal and the whole setup and everything. It's such a well-put-together episode. In and of itself. Like, the whole thing is so well self-contained. But also makes you want more of everything about it. I mean, like, the there's the one, like, double-double-cross that happens. Toward the, toward the end with the guy that... The big guy. That eventually gets the purple lightsaber. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, it, it's... Oh, my God. There, there's so much setup. Like, and they set up, like like you said, like, the lightsaber colors so That well. was the big thing for me. Like, that whole twist of, like, when they finally turn on the blades and they're all red and you're like, oh, shit. Like, that it's... was so well... That twist got me for sure. They're all fucking Sith except for you. Yeah. Good luck. Dude. I... Alright, you take a breath. Ian, yeah, what did you think of this I, I one? I need one. So obviously I, I'm a big fan of the studio and the director and writer. Like, So I the, love this one, you know, like Mike said, they, like, you both said it, they got the time to cook, and they did everything they could with it. They got a brilliant story in that could be a one-off, like, yeah, that's, they got, they made sure that it could just end there, and you didn't feel upset, like, obviously I want more, that was a good end for a story. If that's where it has to be, they clearly thought about it. Like I, I got, I got, I got ideas, guys. Disney, <laughs> I can do this. And he set it up and just showcased, like basically, I can do a good Star Wars story. Let me do it. The animation was brilliant. It all flowed really well. The fight scenes were great. When the dude like pops out of the robot, that was super fucking cool. Yeah. 
Like they even did, yeah. I think, a really good job of capturing the girl's like her lightsaber's lack of color. Yes. Like they did a really good job just like showing that that was a thing. Like I feel like that's actually tough to do, and they did a really good job of doing that in this episode. And um, I really, really enjoyed this one. Like the music worked throughout the episode. I think this was one of the maybe the better ones. I think for music, where it all just kind of matched. It felt. Like Disney, like they either commissioned an orchestra or they were like, Disney, I need these files to put into this episode. <laughs> so this is definitely one where I made a note, too, that the, the score stuck out to me. And because a few times with uh, what was the girl's name, the lead girl's name? I can't remember her character's name. Kara, I think. Y- yes. La Kara. Uh, like when she walks into her dad's workshop for the first time and opens the door and walks in and right before she gets in the door. Uh, in a couple other instances during the episode, I swear to God, you hear tinges of Ray's theme in there. Mm-hmm. And that stuck out to I me because I love Ray's theme. So that caught my ear and I was like, oh, okay, they're really doing some shit with this episode. This is great. And I love to hear the sampling. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that's what I would call it. It's like it's a sampling of Ray's theme while they're putting their own twist Yeah, because it's it. not the whole thing. It's the tail end of the theme, but it's in there. Yeah. And, and, and like, I love it when they do that with a story, with a soundtrack where you're you're gonna have to pay attention to notice it but it's importance to what they're doing and they do this with a lot of star wars yeah the importance of that score behind it is more than you're thinking about right and i'd love to see how it plays out from there because of them using that how are they gonna tie like because that to me says they want to tie this character in some way back i mean she's got now, now i'm terrified that she's related to palpatine yeah if i'm hoping that she's <laughs> no, 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 but not i that, think not that not that i mean i think that. some of the themes and character traits reflect from ray and maybe that's why they used yes. her theme and mm-hmm. stuff like that it's pro- she's probably what like sort I'd just of like to see more of that that's what i'm saying like i'd like to see more of why they think she's like ray because well, obviously I almost they're putting feel like she's what Rey was intended to be. Someone from nothing that doesn't come from a royal bloodline or some shit, but is able to fight the evil that is in the galaxy. You just made me more on board with this than ever. Yes, absolutely. Somebody that actually comes from nothing. And that's a theme that I think runs through a lot of some of these other episodes, too. Yeah, that they, they, you know, that's the whole thing of Star Wars. It's like you don't have to be special. Like everybody is, you know. It could be anybody. Any- Everybody can right. be. That slave yes. boy in the second episode that randomly maybe could use the force means something. Right. Yes. Yeah. Which, God, they never it. brought up again. <laughs> yeah. I, that's that's a whole other two-hour discussion that we don't or rant. Unlike that, everything it. in this episode got brought up and concluded. <laughs> <laughs> there was a purpose to everything. Yeah, this story, this story again, I... I Absolutely love this episode, too. This is by far my favorite. It's far and away the best Agreed. one out of all the se- all the episodes we've seen. And I'm with so, these guys. I want to see much more of this. If there is a movie somewhere written, ready to go, let's fucking see it. And I'm hoping that Disney is smart enough that if this is getting the kind of, like, I don't know, internet groundswell of people are actually saying, hey, this is my favorite. Hey, I'd love to see more. That they might actually push forward on that and mm-hmm. give us something like that. And and I agree, like, this is very, like, almost, I hate to say tied for my favorite, but before I watched the last two episodes, this was definitely 100% far and away my favorite. We'll talk about the other one, obviously, when the time comes, but this one is, I feel like, the one I want to see a series of. 
I feel like there's one that's kind of tied for my favorite, but this is the one I want to see a full series of. I want to see more of this. I want to see where this goes. Yeah. And I feel like there is a whole lot of canon that's possible to come off this. Like, to me, not to sidetrack too much, but this is the type of content that Heir to the Empire is for me. Okay. Where we yeah. have this thing that's set up that can lead to a dozen different stories that we all that we're going to be interested in. And I feel like we're seeing like the the fallout from Heir to the Empire now because we're seeing like what happened with Rebels and we're seeing how that's going to play into the Ahsoka series eventually because that's kind of like semi confirmed that Zon's or not Zon but um Thrawn is going to be involved in that. So what you're like, saying is I, I got to wait 30 years for this to matter. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, you know what I mean? But but you get what I'm saying. But yeah. like, I feel like this is the thing that can play into different threads of different stories throughout the timeline as we grow older that I actually want to see. Well, I think we've talked about it on other, or at least I feel like I've brought it up on other Star Wars episodes we've done where I feel like we're at the point where Disney and Star Wars are playing it safe. They're going through what, is tried and true what people, you know, quote unquote, what the fans want and which is basically right. original star Wars type stuff and just rehashing it. And with a new slap of paint and let's see how this goes. This is the kind of stuff I've been wanting them to do. Take a risk, give us something new that is not connected to anything else and tell us a brand new story set in star Wars. You have the freedom to do that yes. now and they're not doing it. And this is the first one for Yet. me that is like, yes, this hits the itch that I want. Brand new characters, new setting, but it's still very much Star Wars. Let me see more. I agree. This is 100% exactly what you just said, and it is something that, like you said, it's 100% Star Wars. It feels Star Wars, and it feels anime, and it fe like it, it hits every box that this series could have checked. Yeah. It's ticking every one of them. Like, it's... All right, I think we've said our yeah. piece for this one. Ian, you got anything else to add for this one? Are you good? <laughs> yeah, like it, we can. Do you think that they got this much time because it's such a well-known production studio, or because he worked on Ducktales <laughs> under the Disney <laughs> Both. umbrella? Both. <laughs> you know, I think he offered them the opportunity, like, "Hey, listen, come dive into my um, pool of gold, swimming <laughs> <laughs> in that and Scrooge it, McDuck it, it, money." <laughs> yes, swim in this Scrooge McDuck money for a while and let me get 25 minutes on an episode. And they were like, you know what? I'll swim in that gold <laughs> for 25 minutes on an episode. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to episode six, which is T.O.B. One. Um, the only notable voice actor that I saw was Kyle Chandler as uh He's the Mitaka. guy from, like, Godzilla and stuff, right? Godzilla, Friday Night Lights. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I think he plays the older Jedi Master guy that builds the okay. Toby robot guy. Um, yeah, yeah. Ian, what kind of background you got for this one? Toby was produced by Science Saru, who produced anime such as Devilman Crybaby on Netflix. The night is short, walk on, girl, and assisted in Ping Pong, the animation. This episode was directed by Abel Gongora, a Spanish animator whose directing credits include several episodes of OKKO OK, Let's Be Heroes. 
I like that you intro Can you all say of that these. Again? Like, <laughs> okay, KO, let's be heroes. I don't know if that's there how it go, goes, audience. but I got it, it I has got a twice to. for you. It has to be that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, what did you think of this one? Uh, this was the first one that pissed me off. <laughs> um, if I'm going to be honest, this is the one that like breaks the Star Wars canon for me enough that I was like, no, this doesn't belong in Star Wars. Separated from the Star Wars canon, I think this is an okay story. But in the Star Wars canon, it just completely breaks for me in the way my like brain works on it is no, droids can't fucking have the force. But he's a real boy. He, like <laughs> he's not a fucking real boy. It's fucking like Pinocchio. Pinocchio that shit somewhere else. He's a droid, and droids it it's it the droids are a living thing. The force is a living thing. It's a living force. It doesn't inhabit droids. Otherwise, the entire fucking planet or like universe would just be controlled by droids because they're like it. I don't know. It just, Wasn't it though? I mean, R two D two was the main character of the movies. He was in every <laughs> pivotal scene. He Listen, drove the action. Gun, you've got that gun, and you're trying to trigger me, and I know what you're doing, and it's fine. And I'm just, I'm just gonna set that aside for a while. Um. To me, like, don't get me wrong, like, th this whole, like, Astro Boy thing that they did was, like, fine, but it, it, yeah, they did in Astro Star Boy. Wars, it wasn't, it wasn't working for me. Okay. Uh, Ian, what do you think? Like, Mike said it about another one, but this was the first one that made me bored. <laughs> I, I didn't enjoy this one. I didn't care about the droid being in the Force thing, I just figured he was a real boy or something. <laughs> Whatever. Well, we know how much you loved Astro Boy, right? So this one hit all the right levels for you. <laughs> as soon as it started, I was cage. like, oh shit, they just made Astro Boy again. <laughs> called, the, called the newspapers. <laughs> called the papers. And, yeah, I don't It just wasn't... It didn't hold me. I, I I wasn't that interested, I guess, in this story. I Animation was still good. Like, I like the... Yeah. What they did... They didn't go... Like, some of the stuff the studio has done is very stylistic and unique. They're not always matching. Like, Devilman Crybaby is a... Uh, just a beautiful-looking anime. The Night is Short Walk-On Girl is one of those, like, fanciful Hollywood animations. Like, it was, you know, like, a really unique style and, like, had a cool theme and stuff. And then this... This, though, story-wise, was just... Eh, water... Eh, I don't care. <laughs> Well, and I feel like animation-wise, didn't this also feel the most Disney? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I could see I, it. And yeah. I feel like that was the most... Uh, I feel like the animation was off-putting because of that. Because when I'm watching anime, the last thing I want is Disney. <laughs> when I'm watching Disney films, I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? It's like, when, when I know I'm in for a Disney film, it's like, yeah, alright, I'm down with it. When I'm looking for anime, I'm not looking for Disney. Yeah, I think they just went. They're this. so far different. I think they went with something safer, just because they were like they knew this was more intended for Western audiences. I feel like that's why the studio went this direction, and I think it wasn't a great choice by them. But also, I didn't direct. Okay, Ko, let's be heroes. So what do I know? <laughs> Wait, hold on. You didn't say that, right? Okay, Ko, let's be heroes. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This wasn't my favorite either. Um, it yeah. We keep talking about the Astro Boy, Astro Boy vibes. I got Mega Man vibes. I feel like from this too. Mm -hmm. Definitely, he's fucking Doctor Light. 100%. Yes, yeah. He even looks like Doctor Light. Um, I I mean, I thought the fight in the rain at the end was cool. Like there were some really cool shots with like the lightning and storm behind them as they were fighting. I liked mm -hmm. some of that. 
Um, but I, I just didn't care by then. Yeah, yeah. By then, if you're yeah. if you're checked out, it's just noise. The fight was definitely cool, though. I, I'll like, give yeah. you that. Like the the fight itself was cool. It's just the whole rest of the story took me so far yeah, out of it. I was I, every time I sort of like turned away and looked back, I didn't know what the fuck was happening. Like he just kind of goes to sleep for a hundred years, or I don't know how long time has passed. Like he just wakes up from the hole and suddenly everything's dead, and you're like, what the fuck just happened? Um. I did appreciate the the line the you know the forces with me and like one with the force the forces with me like I liked throwing that in there that was cool, um, but yeah just as far as the story and characters I didn't really care as much like there were a couple sprinkles of coolness in there but not enough to keep me invested the whole time like you guys were saying so yeah not not one of my favorites but it was fine lower it was in the bottom half for me not the bottom I don't think but you know somewhere in the bottom half. Um, Agreed. anything else for, for this one? We'll move on to the next one. Nope. If he had got a leaf tornado power up, it would have been <laughs> way better. Uh, all right. Episode seven, the elder, uh, which the only notable voice cast for me was, uh, David Harbour as Tajin Crosser, who was the, uh, the, I did not even know yeah, he was one. the uh, Jedi master character with the teaching the Padawan. Uh, Ian, what kind of background you got for this? The Elder was produced by Studio Trigger, who produced anime films such as Little Witch Academia <laughs> and Promare. The episode was directed by Mashiko Otsuka, who has directed episodes of Gurren Lagann and Kill la Kill. So yes, this is Studio Trigger's second episode of this. So they were they were the one that did the Ninth Jedi, right? That was that. The twins. Oh, the twins. Okay, okay. Yeah, there. I think there's six studios that did the nine episodes, okay. right? Our final so studios, three... are, our final ones, also a repeat. Yeah, so I'm saying like the the last couple should also be because there's should be what three repeats? There's just two. Okay, I thought I heard somewhere that it was six studios that did nine episodes, but I could be wrong. Obviously, wrong on that. But okay, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Uh, well, just I guess Ian, what do you think of this one? I like this one. It was like. Kind of more just like Obi Wan and Anakin hanging out again, kind of like that kind of feel. Probably yeah. what happens in the Clone Wars show I've never watched. <laughs> I'm assuming it's similar vibes to that, maybe. Um, I you know I really you need to watch that. <laughs> I really like the you know the pragmatic Jedi Master that like understands his Padawans. He doesn't think his Padawans evil, but he knows he has bad tendencies still, and he's trying to coach him out of it without being like overly harsh, like Obi Wan could be sometimes. Yeah, like he was kind of just flowing with it and was trying to pad it out. I like that. I like the interaction with the kids, with him like winking at him, the Padawan, when they get to the village. I thought that was a really cool scene. And then, obviously, the plan, like I want to go fight the evil guy up in the mountains. Please (laughs) let me do that, sir. You know, I like I like that being a plot point. The Sith guy, I you know, dual wielding samurai swords, lightsabers. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Look, I the guy I thought was one of the best voice acting jobs. I just like that guy felt sinister. Yeah, in like a real way. He wasn't like evil Sith thing. He was just like sinister. I want to wreak havoc, you know, but not you know, but I want to rule and wreak havoc, you know, like that kind of feel. And I thought all the fight scenes were really good with, you know, first him going up against the Padawan and then up against the Jedi Master himself. And, like, kind of the the theme of the episode being, like, the Padawan was too young, the Sith Master was too old, and the Jedi Master was just the right age for the situation. <laughs> like, no matter where you so are. So it was Goldilocks? Yeah, kind of. But, like, that, that <laughs> theme of time, like, 
there's certain yeah. times where you're going to be best at something in your prime, like that kind of like feel of like that's kind of the theme or like background of that story I thought was really well done and I think easily accessible to anyone that watched it wasn't hidden in like five layers of irony or anything <laughs> and it was just right. also I thought a really beautiful episode it was a it was once again more towards I want to say like a traditional anime style but it still stuck out to me amongst all the other ones we had seen in the previous episodes and I thought it looked really good and I you know they did the thing where the village was just like a typical rural Japanese village from the 1500s, you could say. And they did a nice job of blending that in with then the samurai robes, like that contrast almost of the traditional robes that people would wear back then in Japan. And then the Jedi robes the two are wearing, you know, that contrast in styles, because that's kind of where that influence comes from. Mm. I thought that was really cool just to see that like right there. Nice. Uh, Mike, what do you think? So personally, I felt like looking back on it. So this would have been the last one I watched when it first came out. And this is one of the ones where I remember the least from it after the couple weeks that it's been. Um, And I don't, it's hard to say for me personally, whether that is like due to fatigue from watching so many back to back, because I remember the old man very well. And I remember that being very cool. Um, I remember the fights being very cool, but it didn't strike a lasting impression with me beyond that. Okay. Um, I, I guess like this is the one I remember the least about from what I watched. I guess this is the best way I could put it. Okay. Um, and I I agree with what Ian said with it being a very anime art style. I remember like that much about it where it it definitely felt like an anime and the Star Wars part was secondary. So like the you know, the story and the way things flowed and everything it felt more anime than Star Wars, but obviously the lightsabers and all that added to that and the old man having like the katanas or daito show whatever you want to call them. He didn't have a Daito in show, mm-hmm. but he had swords. Like, they were definitely swords right. as his lightsabers, which I think feel like we see again. Mm-hmm. Or we've definitely seen more than once throughout. This. I think a lot of them were doing lightsabers, but just like swords with a lightsaber blade. Like, I think it's most noticeable in this one, obviously, with the Sith guy, and then in the ninth one, the final one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we definitely see it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's cool, but I also think it, again, it's one of those things where, like, being a canon whore, I guess you could call it. It's it's called a purist? That's how you say it? Without (laughs) insulting yourself? Without insulting myself, it's called a purist. Thank you. Um, It kind of, like, because the only time we see that really in the official lore is with the Darksaber where it looks more like a sword yeah, than a lightsaber. Which, don't get me wrong, for the Darksaber, that's cool, but I kind of like that the Darksaber's the only one yeah, that does that. Like, it gives it that special thing. It sets itself apart in that special way, where adding all these different ones, it, it, it's still kind of like, it could just be a lightsaber, and I'd be fine with it. Yeah, Give it a cool-looking hilt that looks very samurai- and have it just be a lightsaber. But that's nitpicking. 
which is I don't know, kind of douchey. Um, <laughs> but in in general, I feel like this was a decent kind of middle of the pack um, episode for me. Yeah, is where I would put it. Like it's good. It has a lot of good qualities, but it it didn't live up to what some of the others did. Uh, so I think for me, this is actually my second favorite. I think out of the whole series, I like this one a lot. Um, and I don't know if I if I realized it at the time, but Ian's comment of like the Obi Wan Anakin Padawan like master dynamic was there, and I really like that a lot. Like their philosophical conversations of like how to interact and and you know how how to use the Force and what Jedi should do and what they shouldn't do, like all that kind of stuff. I I dig that a lot. And like you guys were saying, the fight at the end was really cool. I liked all that stuff that I felt it culminated the story fairly well. Like it was more or less predictable. Like you could tell what was going to happen, what they were telegraphing, where it was going to go. Uh, but it was still fun to see it play out. And these are, it's another one where I'd, I'd like to see what happens next or more stories with this Jedi and master, like Padawan and master pair and see what other type of adventures they go on. Like I, I liked their dynamic. I think I'd like to see more of them and, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get it as much as the, uh, like the ninth Jedi episode, but this was a this was another one that was a favorite of mine. So yeah, I'd like I'd like to see more. I doubt I will, but I'd like to see more. It, and I feel like that ninth Jedi episode is kind of a universal favorite. It seems to be from like, what I've seen. Yeah, it, it, where where everybody wants more of that. So if you haven't seen it, and you're only gonna watch one episode, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been. If anybody is going, I've been trying to tease that for people. Like if you're going to watch this show, just start with this one. If you like that one, you can bounce around to the other ones, but that's the one you should devote the time, the 20 minutes or 25 minutes to watch. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else for this one? Nope. Uh, all right. So we go on to episode eight, which is lop and Ocho. Um, when I looked at the English cast, I didn't recognize any names, so I didn't really write anybody down. So I don't know if any names pop out to anybody else, but I did not see anybody that I recognize here. Um, but Ian, what kind of background do you got for this one? Lop and Ocha was produced by Gino Studio, and they produced the most excellent show, Golden Kamui. The episode was directed by Yuki Igarashi, who has previously directed an episode of Keep Your Hands Off, Izoken! <laughs> and was a key animator for Mob Psycho 100. Uh, I think this was another episode that was the one of the longer ones, right? Wasn't this around the 25, 23-minute mark mm -hmm. or something like that, I, I think? I think it was shorter than Ninth Jedi, but like the second longest easily. Yeah, it was over 20 yeah. minutes. So there was only two that, that hit that length. This was the second one. Um, uh, Mike, what did you think of this one? Uh, we had talked before about and I had mentioned earlier uh, one that was my tied for first favorite, and this is it. Um, This one, don't get me wrong, like there's a little bit I don't like about it, and, but it's minimal. And it's very circumstantial. And that is like the introduction of like rabbit people to the Star Wars universe felt a little weird. Um, there was a rabbit person but, that was in the Star Wars comics way back when. Way, yeah, but I mean, so it's been established like that's a thing that happened. I okay, okay, okay. Given that, I'll remove. I'll remove my <laughs> criticism of that part of it. Then, um, 
it, but ignoring that, the story they tell is fantastic. But they, like a sibling rivalry kind of thing, and the whole idea of like family not meaning like, oh, my blood is more important than the people that I form bonds with, and the final battle between the two of them, like. <sighs> Just everything about this episode from start to finish is just so well put together to tell you the story of a lop, I guess, is the main character here. Um, I also don't like them calling it lop, I guess, because just lopony being a Pokemon just kind of, and it's a bunny based Pokemon, like it fucks with my brain a little bit. That's a, if you don't know Pokemon, that really wouldn't fuck with you, but. <laughs> It, it it just it put me in that spot, but but Lop's story, coming from that like oppressed race kind of thing. I feel like they could have done the same thing and had it been a, um, Twi'lek perspective. Oh yeah, and it could have yeah. worked the same way. Like had they told it as a Twi'lek, but they chose to create a new race to kind of tell it from. Um, and I like that. And I would have liked it from a Twi'lek perspective as well, but it would have felt less creative from the Twi'lek perspective, I guess. Mm -hmm. Just because it's already established as that happened to them. Um, But having that... The way the story was told was just very fucking well done. Like, it, it, it just... It, it filled every... um Story point with what you wanted to see. You wanted to see this come to a conclusion. You wanted to see that come to a conclusion. And it just... Each step along the way... It fulfilled the narrative. Um, You know, like with her father... I guess that final battle... With their father... Taking up first and her coming to the aid... Of her own father against her sister... And... Man, it just... This was one of those ones where it's like, I feel like all together in a single told story, this was the best episode. Okay. I don't need to see any more of this. Oh, right. I got you. You know, I got the whole story there and I'm good. Whereas the ninth Jedi, I think is the one where I want to see more of everything involved with. Yeah. This is... One story told so well, start to finish, where I'm I'm just complete and I'm good. Um, but I I don't want to just I, I'm talking very vaguely here because it's difficult to talk in specifics. But Ian, go for it. You'll be better at that. So this episode, the animation style reminded me a lot of a different studio. Studio Trigger actually made a show called Brand New Animal, which I think thematically is very similar. And Brand New Animal also means there's a bunch of furry people, so that might just be the rabbit throwing me into that <laughs> thinking. But I, this That threw me off a little bit. Just well, a, the first thing I saw the bit. rabbit, I was like, oh, God, the furries are coming. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, God, they wanted to put Lola Bunny into a fucking Star Wars thing. and But I, I really liked it because it had that, like, kind of, anime or that early episode of an anime feel of okay the girl runs off runs into these people and the one girl just drags her into the plot you know she's literally getting dragged by ocho into being involved in this story and then her dad's like 
well, you brought her here, it'd be rude to not adopt her and make her my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it was very fun in that early sense. And even the time jump didn't feel odd, even though it's kind of abrupt and a seven year, it pretty is. large gap of time for basically these girls becoming people, you know, having fully flushed out. Yeah. Adult thoughts. And I like seeing the daughter, uh, Ocho and the dad, whose name I'm forgetting. But, like, them competing against, like, is the the Empire good for our place? I don't know, like, when this takes place in the goddamn timeline. <laughs> but I guess there's still the fact that the Empire maybe is an ambiguous ally. So it's got to be kind of early in, like, the Empire taking over, I assume. But it's part of that whole, I like our village as, I like our planet as it is versus we need to evolve and get all this new tech. We need to become more than we already are like that competing idealistic arguments. And it's of course getting like the younger generation wants more and thinks we can go out and achieve more versus the older generation that, you know, it's like, no, I want a more conservative and then bring thrust in is lop. Who's outside of the family dynamic. And is just kind of happy to not be a slave. <laughs> like her, like coming to understand, like, I just don't want them to fight. And then seeing that Ocho kind of succumbed to the dark side, essentially, and gave in to those base influences where she was ready to just kill her dad now and end all of this. But Lope coming in to save the day by once again, like everyone else in Star Wars, knowing instantly how to use a lightsaber <laughs> with no prior training. Well, I thought that too. But that's everyone it, it, in Star Wars that's ever picked up a lightsaber instantly knows how to do sword combat. Like Luke did uh, but- it, Ray did it, <laughs> Finn did it. Everyone knows how to use a lightsaber day one. So uh, there's a couple things I would say. First of all, before I move on to the other, Finn did it, but not very well. Um, <laughs> s- second it, it is that in this case, I love that they showed her pick up this family sword that was passed down through the generations. Mm-hmm. And we have that moment where it's like it was passed down from a Jedi that just gave it to somebody. Mm-hmm. Until it reached another Jedi. Because she uses the Force at one point. like Through a lot of the fight, you see her just using the lightsaber. Which anybody can do, as we saw with Finn. And he's no nothing fucking special. He's just Finn. But then we Fuck see you, her... Nine. <laughs> Agreed. We, we see her reach out with the Force and pull the sword back to her. We see her actually use the force, not just conceptualize or refer to it in vague terms like we saw in Rise of Skywalker with Finn. We see her actually use it. And it's like this Jedi set in fourth or set in motion. Motion. Yeah, that's the term. Um, To get to this point where this other force sensitive potential Jedi ends up with a lightsaber. And whether they foresaw that or not, or it was just a feeling that they should do this for this person, it like well, it just it, it's very fucking cool. I feel like in lore it would be like the force guided the saber to the next Jedi eventually when it knew the Ex- saber would be needed. Like that's I feel like exactly. the lore. Yeah. Like it, Well it's the it, destiny it's just, part of Star Wars. Like everybody's the, fulfilling mm-hmm. their destiny right. type of thing. Right. But we have this happening here, and that, and that to me is what makes this really good, is because we're having that destiny fulfilled, 
where it passed through generations mm-hmm. just to get to Lop. That is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Who wasn't that, even like that, on the planet when this began? Like she's her species right, this isn't, isn't from a this family planet. member, right? It, 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 this is this person has nothing to do with the family that was left with this lightsaber, and it's relying on a father taking something that he was meant to give to his own biological daughter and giving it to an adopted daughter, who was more the right choice for it. And it's relying on that father knowing the best path and saying, yes, use this against my biological daughter to stop her. And it it was, to me, it was both a really cool thing and a very beautiful story to tell. And they only had that 23 Mm -hmm. minutes to do it. And they managed to do that. Whereas, like... I feel like this is the best contained story that they told. And I, like I said earlier, that that ninth Jedi thing, I feel like that's the one I want more of, but I feel like as a single episode, this is the best one. I think too, like what these, what this and the ninth Jedi episode have proven is that if you give these stories more time, they're probably going to be better. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- th- I think you guys are talking a lot more highly on the episode than I personally think. I don't think it was, one of my favorites. It wasn't like, it's definitely top half, you know, for me, I didn't maybe gravitate towards it or grab. It didn't grab me as much as maybe you guys did, but I will acknowledge that. I think the story is very well self-contained. I liked where the story went. Um, and you know, the, the lore and sort of like the world they set up for that, I thought was cool, but I don't know there's, I wasn't as invested in it for one reason or another. I don't know. I, it didn't grab me as much as some of the other ones did, but, it was, it was you're, good. You're it wasn't a my humanist favorite. that doesn't believe in equal species. It could rights. be that. Maybe the furries broke it for me, and I was like, "Nope, I'm checked out." And I, that was it, gone from the start. To, to be honest, it almost broke it for me <laughs> because at first I'm watching it and I'm like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" They're like, "There's too much sexualization of this fucking rabbit," <laughs> and they're going too far. And then I started paying attention to just the story, and I forced myself to ignore the rabbit part. Well, well, just to too, be like, clear, they never sexualized the rabbit in this episode. <laughs> No, but they were pushing the Lola bunny like it was. I'm it, just it saying, Mike to... is talking about a different bunny and a different <laughs> property that may or may not have been sexualized. I'm saying like it was. It, it seemed unnecessary to have it be a rabbit. But if you ignore the rabbit part of it, it's a fantastic thing. Like if you get past that visual aspect that they're pushing at you. You understand what I'm getting at here? Like, if you get past, like, the visual and you just have the characters I feel like you don't need to. That's that's my issue with it, is I don't think you need to push past the rabbit. I think you can just... I have to push past <laughs> it a little bit and ignore the rabbit part I mean, truth be told, though, I like, for even not having, I guess, like, voice actors that I recognize in the cast, I think the voice cast did very well in that episode. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't any recognizable Agreed. names, but I think, you know, they carried the weight of the story. They did well with the characters and stuff like that. So I, I'm behind that. I think that was really well done. But, yeah, I mean, it was... I don't know. I don't want to say middle of the road, but some somewhere top half for me, but to the bottom of the top half, I think for me. I think there were other ones that I liked better, but it was it was so like fine, middle of the decent. Road. Yeah, I guess that worked. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to because there's like an odd number, so I'm like it wouldn't be right split, but I guess top like, thirds. Do it thirds. That's man. true. Top yeah, three, middle three, bottom that's true. three. That's 
So yeah, that's sort Maybe of this is top two. Sort of where I'm like where it's... I'm at with that for for me anyway. But uh, anyway, you guys got anything last for for this one? We'll move on to the last one. Nothing. Furries are still weird. <laughs> uh, all right. So the last one we got is episode nine. That was uh, Aka Akakiri. I think is the name of the episode. Um, a couple of the cast members that I saw: Henry Golding as uh, Tsubaki, Jamie Chung as Missa, and George Takei as Senshu. Uh, so, Ian, what do you got for this one? This is our second double dipper. This was also Science Saru who did Toby. They also produced Keep Your Hands Off, Izuken, and assisted <laughs> in two episodes of Space Dandy. The episode was directed oh. by Eunyoung Choi, who directed an episode of Casher and Sins and Space Dandy. He was also the director slash creative director of an episode of Adventure Time. Oh, all Season right. three, episode six. <laughs> uh, all right. Ian, what did you think of this one? I like this one a lot. I, I think we talked about earlier, maybe literally a bit ago, about destiny and Star Wars and how the Force controls you. And this episode's about a man, a Jedi, spending the whole episode trying to fight against destiny itself to overcome it and to create a good ending. And he fails. He does it. <laughs> he doesn't do it. And I kind of like that. He certainly does like, not. Like, that's kind of that... um you know, that clerk's thing. Life is a series of failures. <laughs> like, down endings. Life I, is a series of bad endings. I like that this ended on a bad ending. A downer. <laughs> just like the best episode <laughs> of Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. Well, it parallels really... Anakin's story a lot, too, I think. That mm-hmm. is... You know what? I just... <laughs> I that. Can you read yeah. that? Can you read that? Kinky Kelly in the sexy stuff. I'm wearing a clerk's reference right now. That's... I I really enjoyed this one. It's not my top two. It but it a lot of these are hard for me because after that top two, there's basically all of them tied for third except <laughs> one. But this was, I think, a really se- good second showing from Science Saru. I thought it was a lot, much much better than Toby. And I really enjoyed every, like I like the two traveler guys. You know, they're red cheeks because they're probably always drunk or something. Them singing their protection against the demon song. Like, it was just a really fun episode that had a down ending, because life's a series of down endings. <laughs> uh, Mike, what do you think? I am pretty much right in line with Ian on this one. Um, this is, but the difference I will say is this is my fourth favorite, and I can say that definitely, because the first two, we established what my first two favorites are. My third is the first episode, definitely, and this is a solid fourth. Um, and I think these four separate themselves from the rest of the episodes, personally. I feel like those top four are, you know, like I feel like even the top three separate themselves from this one. But th- this is like that step up from the other five remaining. Um, and a lot of what Ian said, like they took a chance, they took a risk, they went with a sad ending for the last episode that we were going to see. That's awesome. Um, and it's also a matter of like seeing what happens to somebody that turns to the Sith that isn't Anakin. Watching somebody that's n- that we don't already know their redemption story. Somebody that perhaps doesn't even have a redemption story. Turn to the Sith and how somebody that, again, isn't Anakin 
turns to the Sith and how it's still about exploiting their love for another manages to turn this person to the Sith. And it tells you a lot about the Sith where it's just this exploitation of the human condition that they use against people to exploit that weakness in our being that they can make us do things that we know are wrong because we can save the ones that we love. Now, and we also see the difference here in that this person actually saves the person that they love, whereas Anakin didn't. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's there's a lot of little wrinkles here that are really fucking good. <laughs> that... I don't think we necessarily need explored, and I actually kind of like them being left out there. Like, this happened, it was a thing, and I kind of want this story of this person to be part of the canon. Because, I, I, do we have confirmation from Disney that none of this is canon, some of this is canon? I don't know if what they, they honestly pick care and right now canon. to comment on that. I haven't seen anything one way or the other, but the minute... I mean, the internet itself is so pissed off of them as, like, what canon, what's not canon, and all that shit anyway. They don't even want to get into those discussions, so I'm sure they haven't officially said anything. But I'm assuming this stuff is not. It's canon the, until the they say it's not. The internet is a vile place. It's canon until they say it's not. I One other thing That's I fair. want to add That's fair. is, I, with, with his turn, I liked how solemn it was. She, like, wakes up and is yeah. like, what did you do? And he's like, what had to be done, and just walks away. Doesn't try and explain himself or anything. Walks away and I... throws the hood up. Credits. <laughs> so good. Like, I, I got goosebumps from that. It was just, like, the culmination of just, like, you fe I felt so bad for him. Because he didn't, he didn't try and explain himself or redeem himself in that moment. He just knew he had lost to fate and accepted exactly. it. Exactly. Like, like, right in that moment, as she's alive again, and he is deciding to walk off. I'm expecting him to turn on this Sith that helped him bring her back. And I'm thinking, like, he got what he needed. Is he going to turn on her? Which would also be even more Sith than just mm -hmm. accepting his own fate. Like, that's the kind of weird part about it. It's like turning and killing the Sith that just helped him bring her back would be even more Sith than just following along. But I was still expecting it to happen. So it was really interesting to see it not happen because you're expecting that thing. And it's a very bold choice to just let it hang there as he might turn. He might turn again on this Sith. He might turn on the Sith and then no, he's just going to accept it. Holy shit. And it just hangs. And it's still hanging because we have like, that's it. That was the end of the series. And it's hanging. Right now, like among, we're talking about it. It's amongst just it's still hanging there, amongst uh, among us. It's hanging among us, and we have to decide who didn't, um, who who didn't properly scan in med bay. <laughs> we have to figure that out right now. So uh. I'm a little, I'm a little torn on this episode because I think, like you guys are saying, I think the story is very well done and probably one of the better ones in the whole season series as, as you know compared to all the other episodes i dig the story a lot and where it ends where it goes how it does gets to where it needs to go um but for me like the i don't know the animation style i didn't really care for i think it was my least favorite out of all of them okay. so 
Really? I liked the story. I didn't care for the way it looked, so I'm kind of unsure. Well, this one has the characters. I didn't, that I didn't were... feel like this one separated itself that much in the way it looked. Well, because it had the much more narrow character design for pretty much everyone but the Sith Lady at the end. Like, that it just doesn't look realistic. Okay, so, like, a lot of what I'm seeing in my head when I think of this episode is her. Mm hmm. Like, I, like, when I think of, like, the things in the art of the episode, I'm seeing her. So I guess I get what you're but saying. But I don't know like, if that's Brian's and, like, issue. Focus with it. on the others. There were some like bland choices in terms of character. Design. Like the only thing I think I looked that looked cool to me out of the animation, like the lightsaber was a little, the lightsaber sword was a little bit different, and I liked the way it moved in motion. But I don't know, it didn't, it didn't pop the way I wanted it to. In all the other episodes, like it doesn't glow. I feel like as much as it should. It's just like artistic choices. I understand that, but I don't know. It did, it didn't. I, I wasn't focused on the visuals as much as I'd like to. I was trying to follow the story, and I liked the way that was going, but the visuals weren't holding my attention. Okay, I can see that. So it was it was fine. This is another probably middle of the road one for me, and just because I'm torn on, I like half of it, but I'm not on you know I'm not really crazy about the other half. Um, anything else for for the last one, or we'll start wrapping up with what we think of the series and call it. Um, all right, so that's, we went through all the episodes, uh, I know we've sort of touched on which ones are our favorite, but, you know, if you have a top two or three, uh, Mike, which ones did you say were your top three? Um, again, the best single story, self-contained story, I think was the eighth episode. Uh, the one I want to see the most of outside of that was the ninth Jedi, which I believe is the fifth episode. Yes. Correct? Yeah. Um, and th- Third for me would be the first episode. Okay, uh, the very Kurosawa black and white one. I I love that style. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's a good self-contained thing. Uh, Ian, what do you do? You have a top three? I mean, like Mike said, Lop and Ocho and the Ninth Jedi. One A, one B. However you want to do it, like they're both really good. Same Lop and Ocho, probably the better episode. If I really had to pick one, like that's the one I would go. Then, like I said, it gets tough for me. I guess just to speak about one that I don't know if it'll come up again, but um, I really did like in, uh, sorry, in the twins, just like that final fight, like amongst the starships was just really cool and thematic. And I really enjoyed that. And that's why I'm happy they brought in Studio Trigger to work on this because they did some really cool shit that we may never see again in Star Wars because Disney is so conservative with it normally. <laughs> I hope we do see more of this, honestly. Like, I, I'm not even an anime person. Like, I'm not the type of person that watches a lot of anime. I watched a few, and I've enjoyed what I've watched. I just haven't watched a lot. But I want to see more of this. From it makes you wonder if we will get, like, a second season of Visions, or if they will just spin off certain things from Visions into their own things, if they decide to continue anything at I- all. I would hope they do I hope both. The second option. I want them to do both. Or yeah, the both, Honestly, both would be okay. Then off yes. Ninth Jedi and do maybe a feature film like the kind of the guy the director kind of wants, and then not right away, but in another three five years, let a new generation of Japanese animators take a shot at it. Maybe let French animators, you know, just spread it around. Yeah, that's it true, doesn't yeah. always have to be Japanese. But um, one last thing on Lop and Ocho though, that final like shot when. Ocho is like ascending on the starship with the scar, like the X scar on her was, I think just visually the my favorite thing from visions. That was a really cool fucking show. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Um, 
Top three for me, I think I know. I definitely know, uh, mentioned my first two. Ninth Jedi is number one for me, far and away. Uh, second one I really liked was The Elder. Um, it's kind of a toss-up for me for number three between The Duel and the Tatooine Rhapsody one, just because I think that one's so fun and different to me that that sticks out. Yeah. That one, um, like, weirdly has, like, the lowest stakes, even though someone's gonna die over it. Yeah. <laughs> but like the band yeah, thing, does. the band aspects makes doesn't make it seem serious. Right. It just seems like a good yeah. old time with like your buddies jumping across the galaxy making music. Mm-hmm. Like that's just fun to me. I like that idea. I feel like I really would love to see them turn that into like let. I mean, it, I know it's a Scott Pilgrim thing, but let Edgar Wright direct a film version. <laughs> just let's see that in live action. And see what they can do with it. That would be fun. Um, a few of the other questions I think I had at the end, just to wrap up, we sort of already answered, which was like wh- whether we think these are canon or not, and uh, if we think we'd like to see more seasons, or if we'll get any like full spin-off animated movies or anything like that. Which we all sort of kind of touched on. So I don't know. Do you guys have anything else you want to well, sort of wrap up with? I, I feel like for the like the seasons thing, I think there's something to be said about like. I love the idea of what they did here. And I love that where they were going with it. And I hope what we get from this is taking the good and running with it. And letting the bad not be a deterrent from them doing this again. So, yes, there was a couple episodes that fell really flat. And there was a couple episodes that were absolutely amazing. Let's run with the amazing episodes and let them have their own part of the Star Wars universe. And then let's do Visions again. And let's find some more things that we should run with. Well, to that point, it, like, it starts making me wonder, like, okay, so if, we, if everyone sort of universally likes the Ninth Jedi, that episode, that lore, that story... It's pretty... That's pretty universal. So it's like, what kind of lessons is Disney going to take from that? Are they going to take that, okay, we need to make more anime Star Wars? Or are they going to take, okay, we need to make more experimental Star Wars? Or do we need to take more Star Wars that's not connected to anything that has come before, that sits on its own and tells stories out in this space? Like, you you wonder what the the knee-jerk reaction to something like that is going to be. And I'm hoping, like I said, because it's the thing that I want to see, is really, is that just they just pick different eras with different characters and tell their own story that is not really connected, maybe tangentially to the Star Wars universe, yeah, I mean, but it, it's, there's Jedi that yeah, exists right. is pretty much all that connects. Like, I that. think one thing, like especially fans get hung up on, not all, like I know I said, it's canon. It doesn't have to be canon. I don't care. Like I still like <laughs> no. those Timothy Zahn novels, even though they're not canon. Right. I yeah. still think they're exactly. really great and I'll read them still. I don't care that they're not canon. I, Tell fun stories with all of the background that we have now of Star Wars. I, it doesn't have to be tied together. It doesn't have to be... It didn't have to officially fucking happen in made-up universe land. Just make fun, cool stuff. <laughs> well, even to the to the to to your point, it, I, I mean, they have the Legends tag. Like, really, if they want to make something and make it exist but not canon, just throw Star Wars Legends on it and put it out well, there. It, I think that's part of something that a lot of the fans want to see happen is... We don't necessarily give a shit if it's official canon for the movies. Well, I think the whole thing you going know, forward is Disney like, is trying to, like, the whole Disney era is meant to be interconnected. This might be the exception, right, but everything no, no. else is supposed to be canon by default. I, I, I get what they're going for, but I think in terms of, like, novels, comic books, 
anime if they're going to do it. Let people have fun within the canon or outside of the canon. Just uh, let influences, people yeah. create this stuff without having to adhere to specific narrative rules that you've created. Yeah. Because they did that for a long time with the what is now known as the expanded universe. And so much of that was fucking amazing. And so much of it is now negated because they had to have these strict rules about what the canon was. So Darth Bane and Darth Revan and the Old Republic and all this shit wasn't real now in terms of the canon. And we don't like that. <laughs> For so long, we built our idea of what created the Star Wars universe that we know isn't canon. And it's like, well, I don't care. That's still canon to me. Or it doesn't matter if it's canon and it's just using the universe, and I'm fine with that. I'm just thinking about this sort of tangentially. I don't know if either of you have either of you dove into dove into the uh, High Republic era stuff. They've got books and novels in that new era of Star Wars. Is that like the more? It's like what three books right now? They they have like some YA books. They have some actual novels. There might be two or three novels at this point, or maybe a third one. It's not much. but I know the uh, the uh, the other show that they announced with this whole Disney Investor Day was the Star Wars Acolyte show with uh, yes. Lena uh, was it Lena Headland I think was Headley yeah Heedy 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 yeah um, she was show I think she was show running that one um, I, th- I think I'm, I feel like I'm got the name wrong but anyway th- I know that show is coming and it is set oh, near God. the tail end of the High Republic era so I think like the novels are going to lead into that show. But it's also an era of Star Wars that I know nothing about right now, and I really want to get well, into it and start reading the novels. That universe. What's that? It's a it's a part of the universe they're creating for the first time, and it's kind of the first time we've seen that since they created the old Republic era. Right. So again, it's an it's another section of Star Wars that's brand new, could largely sit on its own and do whatever it wants to do because it's not technically really tied to anything that comes right after. It doesn't have to fit in a specific timeline or anything like that that's of events so i think it ha- they have some room to play which is stuff that i want to see what they do with i i need to go out and start reading the novels i just haven't yet so do we know who wrote these novels i mean i know you know, you know but uh, like well, i know we know but i'm saying like do you know offhand offhand i to- don't i know they they tapped a couple authors of star wars novels that have wrote stuff recently like I don't think they did like some of the old uh, expanded universe authors as much. Like Zan has wrote, Timothy Zahn has wrote some stuff for Thrawn. Well, yeah, he wrote the whole new Thrawn series. But they, like, did they tap uh, what's her name? Who wrote the? I think Claudia Claudia uh, something is yes. wrote one of the novels for it, High it, Republic. She wrote the Leia stuff. Yes, yeah, she did. I th- did she do Bloodlines? Which was Bloodlines? Her? Yeah. It, which is probably the best book other than the Thrawn books that they have out there right now. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try to Google well, High Republic like real lines. quick and see if I can grab some authors. So, because um, yeah, that's what interests me is like, are they using the right authors to do it? They didn't bring back the guy that killed Chewie. So, <laughs> wait, there was a guy that killed Chewie. Yeah, which book was that? That uh, was it's the Young Zung Vaughn. I don't remember what that series was called though. Yeah, that, that was. Okay. Yeah, well, I guess it was just the use. No, it was, they had, oh shit, they had a Republic era for it, and a New mm-hmm. Republic era. It was part of the yeah. New Republic era stuff. Yeah, book one of the New Republic era, R.A. Salvatore of Drizzt fame, killed Chewie. Yuck. Yeah. Don't kill Chewie, you don't kill, that's like shooting the dog. It's like killing off that. Han, right? It's, 
I, yeah, I get like, why they did it at the time. For an author, he grunts and moans, and you have to like translate what he says anyway. So they just took him out of there. <laughs> to yeah. and to their point, like it was. This is gonna get me sidetracked, but it gave an interesting arc for Han. Like, how does he function when his best friend dies? Like, mm-hmm. that's a cool arc for him oh, to go on. Oh, he just replaces him with an Ewok, right? Yeah. I'm kidding. Well, the problem is Ewoks also don't talk. <laughs> Didn't solve the writing problem. No, but they get cookies. They understand cookies and crackers, and they're pretty good with that stuff. It's like a dog, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Whereas Chewie didn't, like, he didn't function that way. You couldn't just give him treats and get him to do stuff. I don't know, Ian, how far you got into that series, but that there's like 16 or 15 books or something for that series. That's all expanded universe oh, wow. st- stuff now. But that set up a lot of stuff that came after that. Like, it had mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff that there happened was... to Han and Leia's kids that was really interesting. Like, Luke went through some shit. Like, there, it had some really cool stuff that happened in that series. So, I feel like it went into some of that, but, like, the, the whole Expanded Universe stuff before was so far-reaching mm-hmm. that you read some of it and not others. And I tended to stick with, like, the old Republic Jedi and Sith stuff was what I, like, focused on. And, like, other than the heir to the throne, or heir to the Empire, which I think everybody read that was into that stuff, because it was just so good. But I didn't, I didn't even realize there was somebody that killed off Chewie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He still gets shit for it on Twitter. He should. <laughs> they had, a, I think they even have the comic that they did after that, where it's like almost like an in memorial to Chewie, where they had people like go to his funeral and tell stories about Chewie and stuff like that. Like, that was a whole thing, too. Um, Some of the authors they have listed, they have uh, Charles Soule, I know, who's okay. written other He's Star really Wars good. stuff. Um, Justina Ireland, I'm not sure what she's done. Daniel Jose Older, uh, Claudia Gray, and Kevin Scott are listed as the five authors right now for the novels and comics. So I don't know which ones they um, wrote. I think Charles Soule might have did the first novel for High Republic era. Claudia Gray, I'm not sure which one she tackled. She might have did the second one. I believe Charles Soule is also actively working on the Darth Vader comic now still. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Charles Soule, I know, has done some good stuff, and Claudia Gray has done some excellent novels. So the two of them involved with this, I think, is is good news. Yeah, Claudia Gray, it, like, I if you're listening to this and you have not read Star Wars books, one of the absolute best ones to start with is Bloodlines. Um, it, it, it like if you've never read a single Star Wars book ever, you read the five Timothy Zahn books and then you stop. <laughs> Well, that's an option, too. But if you're looking for stuff that is current canon, there's actually six Timothy's on books now. Um, I think, yeah. Because there's, there's three heir to the Empire, and there's three current canon Thrawn I, Well, books. I think they, they started another trilogy of Thrawn books. Like, they have the first three. Oh, there's another They're doing trilogy another trilogy, I think, of Thrawn oh, okay. books. So there's he's got to have four, maybe four. I'm, I get so I lose track of like when books release, but I know the first trilogy yeah, of Thrawn novels tough. of canon Thrawn novels is out there. Um, I read the first two; they were both really good. I haven't got to the third one yet, but I know they're they're Same. prepping another series of Thrawn novels with him. So I don't know what era those take place in. I'm in that same spot where I read the first two, but I haven't gotten the third yet. That, but nonetheless, Claudia Gray's Bloodlines is. In my opinion, probably like that or the first Thrawn book are the best 
of that era of books we've had since they rebooted the canon. Yeah, out of the few that I read, I would agree. Yes. So, if you're interested, look into it. I won't get into spoilers or anything about the book, but it, it follows Leia after Return of the Jedi, and it's amazing. I... At some point, I Mike, I'm about to send it to you, because I know I think I sent it to Ian because I read it, and I was like, what the fuck? But there was an announcement of a book that comes out that's basically just, like, really trying to retcon and connect the dots between the sequel trilogy and Return of the Jedi. Like, they okay. bring up Exegol, like, Luke and Lando's quest to find Exegol, um, the dagger that shows up Christ. in Rise of Skywalker. Like, they're retconning the whole fucking movie to make it fit into the canon, and it's like, well, I don't... Or we could just retcon the movie and just make another one and maybe make it fucking better and not have J.J. Abrams. Yeah, it. it's like, Sorry, part of me, it's like, I want to... did a great job with the first of that fucking sequel trilogy, but fuck you for the last. It's like, I'm so curious if I read that book, if it's going to make me more pissed off at Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> or if it's going to somehow make it better, like, just to have some sort of lore behind it, but... Well, but you're going to read it and be like, oh, see, this was all planned. I get it now. <laughs> No, because I know it was retconned, so I'm already going into I, it like, you fucking bastards. No, the book clearly would I establish they knew going in. <laughs> so so the way Ian felt about wanting that Jack, Zack Snyder's Justice League, I still want Ryan Johnson's Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I still want that Well, I guess at this point it would be Colin Trevorrow's. along with The Last Jedi. Colin Trevorrow's Episode Nine. Johnson. I don't know if I want that. Well, Johnson was never attached to Episode Nine. Trevorrow was there. He was after he was. I thought he was the first one that was attached after Trevorrow was. Well, he at least never. I don't think he filmed anything. I think he was rumored just because he was doing eight until Abrams did. Yeah, so it's almost like that can't exist because um, this guy named Zack Snyder film shit. (laughs) Eat shit, guys. Listen, I would watch Zack Snyder's Episode Nine. It'd be so fucking awesome. Exactly. It'd be the coolest fucking shit. The first Star Wars in four three ratio. That's not true. Wouldn't that be like the original yeah, VHS no, copies like the, and yeah, stuff? Yeah. All right, say. all right, all right. Fine, fine. fine. I know, I know you're old, but come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, like I, I still want that continuation of Ryan Johnson's story. Oh uh, yeah, just yeah. got completely abandoned. I want that continuation of that story because it would have been so much better than Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, so that that's a whole other podcast. So <laughs> presumably. I'll try to bring us back around because I know we got sidetracked. Anything less or anything else we want to talk about for Star Wars Visions or we'll we'll wrap it up. I mean, Ryan Johnson anime conclusion to his trilogy. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I think I mentioned that now it feels like 20 minutes ago. I hope they do another <laughs> set of visions, either with animators, like I said, from different countries or revisit Japanese animator in another three, five years. You know, I don't want. I don't think this should be like a yearly thing where they go to Japanese animation studios and like pump out nine visions a year. Yeah. But I think bringing it in like as a cultural thing, like show that Star Wars is worldwide, I think would be a really cool concept for them to do. Yeah, I agree. I think that'd be cool. Um, All right. I guess that's it for us. Uh, If you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five star rating and review. You can give us a share on social media. Uh, Make sure to follow or subscribe to the show to... Follow us. Keep up with us. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Uh, hopefully anywhere you're listening, you are finding us. As always, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bry Guy into Super Friends or go to Facebook.com slash Bry Guy Super Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topic suggestions, any of that stuff there. 
Uh, try to email us, brightguysuperfriends at gmail.com. It's legit. I haven't checked it in probably three months. There might be stuff there. I will never know. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BGSuperFriends. That we'll see. That I can respond to. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch. I'm Jedi Guy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. I was waiting. I figured Ian was doing the Andy stuff earlier. I figured he'd take it this time. You know what? I might return. You might see me streaming again soon. Uh-oh. But I don't I don't know under what name, so I'm not gonna <laughs> It's a good tease for nothing right it. now, so maybe wait till you got something set. Well, I mean rare achievements on YouTube <laughs> would be the best thing I could tell you, just as it sounds, as it's properly spelled, rare achievements on YouTube. <laughs> you may see me streaming again soon. So look for it on YouTube. Check the subscribe now so you'll be ready for when that happens. Search for Darth Poo. Top 10 video games of all time <laughs> on Rare Achievements on YouTube. You can find them right there. It's an amazing video. It's the only good one I ever made, so <laughs> go check that one out. Uh, so, yeah, you can find me on Twitch with that name, Jedi Bra Guy. If we ever decide to go live again, that's where we'll do it. Um, and that's it for us. Uh, on behalf of Ian, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. That's so hot. Oh, now you did it, you son of a bitch. <laughs>